grab your Bibles out. I want to pray. I want to give us a bit of a context and direction for this morning. It's going to be a little bit different, but before we do anything else, let's just commit ourselves and this time to the Lord and what He has for us. And Lord, we do again as we've already prayed. We just make that commitment before You that we gather for no other intention than to seek You, to know You, to love You more. And Lord, I pray that You would continue the work that You've begun in our hearts personally, knowing that You're the one who completes it and You're the one who will complete it. But would You also continue the work that You're doing and will continue to do in our midst? Thank You, Lord, that You're not looking for a people of ability. I, for one, am very grateful for that. But You're looking for a people of availability. You're looking for hearts that are humbled and surrendered to You, with ears and hearts inclined to hear what it is that You're saying. And Lord, in whatever way, this time, this morning, this moment that we share would accomplish Your purpose and plans, we say yes and amen. Let Your kingdom come and let Your will be done today in us and through us. We pray together in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. So grab your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 24, verse 44. That's the address. Plug it into the GPS. Give me an amen when you get there. Someone's on the phone already. Wonderful. And here's my heart for us this morning. Obviously, we're in a season where we've just transitioned, made a service change, uh, service time change. And as I explained, and hopefully the message came through reasonably clear, it wasn't necessarily, it wasn't at all based on practicalities. It was based on a sense of what we felt like the Lord was saying for us in this particular season. And so I thought it might be good for us just to pause. We've been preaching through First John and we'll continue. I'm certainly enjoying that, getting a lot out of our study and our time in the Word together. But I particularly want to just bring, hopefully, a bit of a clarity. I've had some people say, you know, you've talked about the fact that we're reposturing our hearts before the Lord. But what, what is it that the Lord's actually saying? What is it that the Lord is speaking to us? What are we posturing our hearts for? And I don't think it's any coincidence that we've made this change. It was, in part, at least intentional, on Pentecost Sunday. Today is Pentecost Sunday. We could have been a little more excited, but it's a significant moment. I know that not all of us like birthdays. Who likes birthdays? Who just pretends that birthdays don't even exist? I've forgotten. A few of us with, with very proud hands. But there's something significant about birthdays. There's something significant about your birth. You'd have to say that your birth was one of the most significant days of your life. It was. Whether or not you acknowledge it should be up there at least. And the birth of the church happened in a specific way. So that's what I want us to focus upon in Luke chapter 24. And then it's not just going to be me. I'd love to get a few other people to come up and to share a little bit about what we, not just me, but I will share what I feel like the Lord's got on my heart, but some others as well, some of the words the Lord has spoken over us in this season, specifically in regards to what is it that we're seeking the Lord for in this season. And I know that there's different things for different people, but as a church, what is our passion? What is our value? What is is it that God is saying now to us to press in for? Does that sound all right? Good. So let's read some scripture first and we'll get there. 
Jesus says this, it's the end of the Gospel of Luke, having recounted such an incredible ministry and a death and resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And this is the words of Jesus. He says, Then he, being Jesus, said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Remember that Christ himself, he said, I have not come to destroy the law. I haven't come to do away with the Old Testament. I heard a sermon recently saying, we need to detach, was the word, we need to detach ourselves as New Testament believers from the Old Testament. But the, re- the reality is that Christ came to fulfill, not to destroy. There's so much truth and richness that we get. We're the Gentiles grafted anyway. It's another message. Let's move on. Then he opened their minds to understand the Scriptures. Isn't that a wonderful phrase? I'm so thankful for a God who opens up our minds. He opens up our hearts, not just to know, but to understand the reality, to understand his Scriptures. He said to them, thus it is written that Christ should suffer on the third day, and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in His name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And they had, they'd witnessed the whole thing. They'd witnessed Jesus' miracles. They'd witnessed the death. They'd seen the resurrected Lord Jesus Christ. They'd felt the holes in His hands and in His feet. They were witnesses. They saw it. Their minds were open to see it in Scripture. They were so aware of the truth of the Word of God. And yet so often I believe as Christians, that's where we camp. There is this great divide between verse 48 and verse 49. And I'm so thankful, so thankful for the Word of God. I love the Word of God. I never want to leave the Word of God. I never want to detach from any part of the Word of God. I want to celebrate it. I want to proclaim it. I want to live in it. But I tell you what, I'm so thankful for verse 49. What does it say? It says this, And behold, I am sending the promise. And here is one of not only the greatest theological mysteries and wonders of the New Testament, but one of the greatest promises that you will find anywhere in the Bible. And I'll explain why. Behold, I'm sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city. And that word stay, I like the the old King James, it says tarry. And tarry implies more the heart, which is not just passive waiting, it's active waiting. How do we wait actively? Well, one of the translations of this particular word tarry is hover. I thought that's an interesting description, hover. And I was instantly reminded of a few months ago where we live, we live down south, a little bit out of town on a 10-acre block, and we had this uh, trial period of drone deliveries that was happening out our way. And interesting, I'm not sure how this worked, but we saw it all being set up. There's the local rural fire station, and these two big storage containers arrived. There was one Mexican burrito, and there was one capital chemist. That was all you could order. So there was this limited trial where you could order via drones, burritos and makeup, the essentials of life. That was it. 
And I didn't see many, but from time to time, it was limited service. You'd see these little drones, and so we're over the hill from where the drones would take off. They'd go and pick up people's warm burritos, and I know the Lewises are smiling because they got a burrito delivered to their door. I think they ordered one, and you got something else instead, wasn't it? But you got something, something, some sort of Mexican food delivered to your door via drone. I mean, that's fantastic, isn't it, really? Any makeup too, or just, just the burritos? Yes, he doesn't need any makeup. Thank you. That's true. But it was, an incre- it was incredible to see these drones and they fly over the mountain. And what they do, because they plug in the GPS coordinates, and once they hit there, they just hover in space. They hover there. And then all of a sudden, out from the bottom of the drone comes your beautiful hot burrito <laughs> delivered to your door. <laughs> and some very excited people waiting for their service of burritos and drones. Now, I'm not sure if that helps at all. But that was the thing that came to mind when, when Jesus says, tarry. He says, hover there expectantly waiting with that acknowledgement of what is to come. But stay in the city, tarry in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. See, here we have this wonderful, rich opening of the minds of the disciples to the truth of Scripture, this call to go forth with the proclamation of repentance and forgiveness of sins, this wonderful picture of the Word and truth, but then it's partnered with the power of the Holy Spirit. And I don't know why there is such a chasm between Word and Spirit, but so often there is, and we all know people who say, well, We've got to be more in the Word, and we do. We've got to know Scriptures. It's all about Scriptures. And then they forget about the Spirit. And the people who are concerned with the Spirit say, well, they're all in need of resurrection. It's dry and it's dull. And then vice versa, people can be so focused on the Spirit that we lose any sense of doctrine and bearing. And there's always weird and wonderful things, everything from angels to aliens, these strange encounters that people have. But then there's a tendency from word people to say, well, let's just throw everything out. We don't want any of that at all. And we need and I want us always to be a people who try. And we will fail at times, but, but try desperately to maintain this balance between the beauty and the necessity and the wonder of the word but also our need for the power of the Holy Spirit. And there's two aspects to this that I think are so wonderful. As Jesus opens their mind to truth, as He commissions them to proclaim the gospel, but tells them to wait for the promise, the promise of the Holy Spirit. And if you look, of course, the day of Pentecost, the birth of the church, the Spirit comes in power in the midst of that Peter who just a week or so, a couple of weeks before, a couple of months before, was a cowering fisherman in the corner denying Christ. He stands up and he boldly proclaims the gospel. He says, men, repent, and you too will receive the promise of the Holy Spirit. And not only you, but your children. And not only your children, but to all those afar off, to everyone whom the Lord will call. I'm so thankful for the everyone's. This is the promise. What is it a promise of? Very quickly, two things. Number one, it is a promise of His presence. 
You see, he'd given them the commission, and he could have said anything. He could have said, well, here's the way it's going to work. You're going to go around and proclaim, and I'm going to assign you some angelic presence everywhere you go. There'll be angels with you. There'll be miracles. There'll be all this other stuff. But he said, no, this is how it's going to work. You're going to be a people who know the Word, but who are filled with my very presence who are marked by my presence. I cannot get away from this reality from the beginning of Scripture to the end of this God, this undeniable reality who desires a people who know His manifest presence. Not just living in His omnipresence, not just knowing His truth, although that is so important that we've focused so many times this year on the reality and the need to know truth, but to know His presence. Right from the garden with Adam and Eve. You see, they lived in paradise. They lived in perfection. There was nothing wrong with the world at all. A lot of us would say, wouldn't that be nice? I'd take that. But that was never enough. And throughout that time, it says that God would come in a form and a manifest way that they could recognize and walk with them in the cool of the evening. There's God himself. He's put them in perfection. But he's with Adam naming the animals. He's involved in his life. There's a personal reality of God in a way that they can see and know and touch and feel and understand. If you look at Israel, he sovereignly delivers his people from Egypt. Sovereignly. Supernatural signs and wonders. How incredible was that? I mean, most of us, that would be enough. If I saw the Lord do half of those miracles... If he delivered me in such a miraculous way, that's enough. I'm serving him. I'm worshiping him. Not only did he deliver them, but he provided for them. He provided for them manna, food. He provided for them clothes. says none of them were sick. He led them himself, a cloud by day, a fire by night. And yet none of that was enough. And he says to Moses, this is what I want. I want you to build me a tabernacle. And the people of God literally camped around the presence. The tabernacle was set up in the middle. So build me a tabernacle and my manifest presence will dwell there. So it wasn't just enough to deliver. It wasn't just enough to provide. It wasn't even just enough to lead, although all those things are wonderful. He says, no, I want you to be a people where my presence is dwelling in your midst where you are marked. And Moses got that. There was one, one moment where God says, you know what, I've had enough. I'll still be your God. I'll still lead you. I'll still provide for you, but my presence will no longer go with you. And of course, we know Moses cries out. He says, God, no. If your presence goes, I'm out of here. Because what else will mark us and distinguish us from every other people group on the earth? We could go on. Throughout Scripture, this undeniable reality of a God who desires a people who know His presence. Jesus Himself, He said to the disciples, I'm going away, but it is good that I go away, and I will send another, and He will be with you. It was never enough for them just to know His principles. He was determined that they would be a people who knew His presence. Throughout the New Testament, John 14, 26, Jesus says, the help of the Holy Spirit, the Father will send, He will teach you. John 16, it says, when the Spirit of truth comes, He'll guide you into truth. Again, in John 16, verse 15, He says, 
When he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness. Romans 5, 5, God's love is poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Romans 8, 26, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Romans 15, 13, through the power of the Spirit, we will abound in hope. 1 Corinthians 12, one Spirit, different gifts. A snapshot, an example. The Spirit empowers, leads, guides, fills, helps. He wants us to be a people marked by His presence. Why would we ever take for granted this promise? In fact, I would suggest this, that we cannot live a Christ-exalting, Christ-proclaiming, Christ-loving life. We cannot be that kind of people without the presence of God in our midst. We need His presence. So it's a promise of His presence. God, we want to be a people marked by Your presence. We so thank You that You deliver us, that You provide for us, that You lead us. But we need Your manifest presence in our midst. We do. Not only is it a promise of His presence, it's a promise of His power. He says, wait until you receive. Tarry until you receive power. You know, I'm so thankful that he never said to his disciples, just wait until you get it all together, until you figure it out. You know, if he'd waited until we figured it all out, I would suggest that we'll never get anywhere. He doesn't say, wait until you've got all of the latest church growth strategies. Wait until you can do this all on your own strength. He says, wait until you have received power. And I know I've said this many times, but I'm aware that we have new people. And as I said, I want to just posture us for a new season. I am convinced that the greatest hindrance to the advance of the glory of God is so often the church trying to do the work of God without the power of God. It is. We've got this, we've got the latest strategy, we've got the best of the best, everything we need. Almost every time I talk to to pastors and other churches, they say, well, we've got this great strategy, we've got this great fill-in-the-blank. And there's nothing wrong with great strategies, but we can never accomplish His work and His purpose in our strength alone. It's only the power of God that saves It's only the power of God that transforms lives. It's only the power of God that convicts us of sin. And we need to be a people where we recognize our need for His presence and our reliance and dependence upon His power. Amen? How was that for a quick sermon? But we're not done yet because what I want to do is I want to encourage us in that area, in, if you like, our birthright. The birth of the church was a birth in His manifest presence and the reality of His power. And there's something that I am more convinced about now than I think I've ever been convinced about in my life, and that is the reality that God is wanting to pour out a fresh baptism of His Holy Spirit, not just upon us, but upon all those who would make themselves ready for that reality. And I want to share just a couple of things, a couple of words that the Lord's given to me, and then I'm going to ask a few others up. And, and my heart in this 
is two things. Hopefully that we will be encouraged. That's a good start. But then in addition to encouragement, that we would be a people that the Lord would stir a hunger for what He is wanting to do in this season and at this time. And I remember as, um, going back as, as far, a long way back to the beginning of last year, which was when I had this moment with the Lord, and I've shared this before. Some of what you will hear in the next few moments, some of you would have heard before. But as I said, I want to make sure we're on the same page. And I was just at my place. I was looking out from the front veranda. And this isn't a usual way that the Lord will speak to me at all. So that's how I knew it was Him. And as I looked across from from our house, there's this view of the valleys, and you see the mountains in the distance, and there were these big storm clouds brewing. And the only comparison I have is the Lord used, for example, with Abraham, the picture of the stars. He says, look up at the stars, and then he used that to prophetically proclaim that which he wanted to do through Abraham. And as I looked at these storm clouds gathering, it was a very simple thing, but the Lord spoke so strongly this to me. He said, Andrew, I'm sending the rain to prepare the harvest. That was it. That simple phrase, I'm sending the rain to prepare the harvest. And there was two things. Obviously, there was an excitement in my heart. I always think it's not just what the Lord says, but it's He has a way to speak to us to produce that which He is also trying to convey. And yet there was this urgency in that moment that we need to be ready. Just as if you were a farmer and you saw the rains coming, you've got to make sure that the soil is tilled, that the weeds are removed, that the rocks are gone. And there was this urgency that we need to get ready. Not so that He'll do something, so that we will be ready when He does do something. He's coming, whether we're ready or not, and it's our responsibility to prepare for that which He is wanting to pour out. And so we've been in that season. Last year, I think I preached until I was blue in the face, because the Lord said, you need to call people to holiness. It's one of the pillars. And we talked about sin and repentance and getting real and just dealing with stuff. And there was often that sort of excited, enthusiastic response. But it was purely in obedience. It's so interesting when you preach regularly, you know, it's very easy. You know exactly the kind of sermons that you can preach that will get a response. You know the points and how you can say the points that are going to get a rousing amen. And it's at times a temptation to put together one of those messages just so you can feel okay about yourself. Lord, can I do one of those? Preach it, brother. But it was a season of God saying, no, we're going down a different path. We're going to do some, some more heavy-duty work and lifting and stirring of people's hearts, hopefully. And then I'll share one other dream, and I've got a few other people who are going to share a few things as well. So I, that happened at the beginning of last year, and I was both, there was this excitement stirred in me, and then there was also this need to get ready. And like this, this is my personality here, but I'm always someone who, if the Lord says something, I expect that He's going to do it yesterday. Anyone else like that? Like, patience is not a virtue. It's not a spiritual gift I possess in any way, shape, or form. So it's about two months down the track, and I was frustrated. I'm like, God, I don't understand. You said you were going to do this, and it's two months, and nothing's happened. I mean, two months is a long time to wait for me. I mean, my kids can't wait two minutes, so two months is all right. Five minutes on, and they're like, Dad, it's been forever. 
It's been my whole life. And so I, I had this week. It was just one of those, it was actually a week of the Lord speaking different things. And some, some um, particularly dreams is the way that the Lord speaks to me. Some of the dreams I've never shared, they're just for me. The other dreams I've shared with the board and the elders, and we've prayed into them, but I've never shared them publicly. And I just don't like doing that. I mean, Paul, he says, people talk about dreams and all these encounters, and I just preach Christ crucified. And I would much rather just preach Christ crucified. So I'm a little out of my element here in sharing some of these things and wouldn't do it other than I felt like the Lord says it's, it's important for you to share some of these things so that people understand exactly what it is that you feel and we feel as a leadership that he's saying. And so I had this one dream and as I said, over the years, I don't get dreams often, but I always know that's the Lord speaking. It's a particular type of dream. It's not something that I was thinking about or anything else. And in this dream, I was walking along a path and I could see in the distance there was this old house. It wasn't a mansion, but it was a big house, old English style. Who's seen Escape to the Country? Who likes Escape to the Country? It was like an English manor. I thought, this is fascinating, like an old building. So I walked up to this building and I knew someone was with me in the dream, but I didn't know who it was. I could never see. I don't know if it was the Holy Spirit, if it was Jesus. But I'm there, and, and this person next to me guided me around the back of the house before we went in the front door, and I'm just admiring this house, so caught up in admiring this house, which was um, very uh, decadent, but it was also, you could tell that it was run down. It hadn't had much love or attention in some time. And so focused on the house that I hadn't noticed the scenery behind the house or the setting, and then all of a sudden I opened up my eyes and looked around, and it was the most incredible landscape. There's this river rolling down, these mountains, there was this massive vineyard. It was just picture perfect. And I thought, how could no one be living in this house? This house is incredible. This, is, this would be the most incredible place in the world to live. It's beyond anything I have seen before. So with that thought, I then turned around and went in the back door of this house and I could see and I'm excited thinking, this is amazing. You know, this, this, this house is just incredible. And as I walked through the bottom floor, I could see that it needed some work. It, you know, a bit of TLC, Renovator's Delight, it wasn't beyond repair. But I had this thought as I went through, I'm like, well, I can't believe no one wants this house. This is going to take two weeks. That's all. Two weeks, give me your hammer. No problem at all. Pack your bags, honey. We're moving to this house because I can spruce this up in two weeks, no problem at all. And then all of a sudden, there was, it was a two-story house, so I'm thinking, thinking those thoughts, and then I go up the stairs to the second floor, and as you can only do in a dream, I went to the second floor, and the, the second floor was massive. All of a sudden, it was these wide-open, vast spaces in the second floor of the building. I thought, wow, where am I now? But then as I looked around, I could see there were some significant problems. And there were many people who tried to build on this second floor. And there was, um, even as I was watching this, there was a corner that some people had tried to build on and they just fell straight through the second floor into the floor beneath. Is that making sense? I'm like, oh, this is not structurally sound. And so I went from thinking this is going to take two weeks to fix. I'm like, no, this is, this is beyond what I can do. I need to call in the structural engineer and this is going to take two structural supports and maybe even a third. And then all of a sudden I woke up and I was like, what is that dream? That is a weird dream. So as, as I always do, if the Lord gives me something, I write it down and I say, Lord, what is it that you're trying to say? 
And the message he gave me is this, is that house was representative of not only what he wants to do in our midst, but what he wants to do in the church. That there is this promise, his, his heart, his promise has always been for us to be a people of presence. And if you look not only through history, but even through biblical history, there was times where he'd pour out his presence and his grace. We see in Acts uh, chapter 2, the coming of Pentecost, and then in 4, and then in 5, there's this pouring out of holiness and awe and, awe and wonders, and then Acts 19, where there's miraculous and Paul's handkerchiefs are healing people, and there's these sovereign moves, and then throughout church history. But there was a sense that this was representative both of that which the Lord had already done through history, but also of a culmination and a new level of what He was wanting to pour out. But the reality being that if there wasn't the sufficient structural supports, then the whole entire house is compromised. And there was that urgency in that call that there needs to be a building in. It's not just a two-week job. I'd love it. You love those two-week jobs, don't you, Martin? We can have this done in two weeks. And the Lord's saying, no, we need the structural engineer. We need the Holy Spirit and His leading and guidance to bring us to a place where we build the supports so He can pour out what he wants to do. And in the dream, it was very clear. He was saying, this is for you, not just this is for us. This is his desire that we would enter into this. But we've got to be willing for him to lead us and to build the structural supports so that he can do what he wants to do. Does that make sense? Um, so there's a few people. Could they come forward and those people I've prepared? Not all at once, that rush. Yeah, come up, come up all at once. Would you welcome them up? Don't even know who's coming, but someone's coming. And there's been a number of other words. We, we could have, have had a whole morning, and maybe we should have done that instead, just sharing different things the Lord said. But these are some of the words, and I thought rather than me just saying them, I'll get the people who the Lord spoke to to share them, that I have found really encouraging, and I hope encourage your heart, but also stir up a hunger as to what God is really wanting to do in us. And this is not just for us. I don't think that this is that God's saying we're some special people anointed more than anyone else. I believe that the Lord is just looking for anyone. He's saying, this is my promise. Is there anyone who will not look just to their abilities, but their availability, allow me to prepare their hearts so that I can do what I want to do in this season? So, Karen, you want to go first? Come on. Show them something, Karen. This was a, a word and a picture given to me in January of the beginning of last year. So, But it has stayed with me and I have not forgotten it and I've been really encouraged by it. So I hope it encourages you. What I saw was an old-fashioned well, you know, the type that you wind the handle and the bucket goes down, you wind it back up and the bucket comes up and it's full of water. Then I, the picture changed and it went from being the well to a huge geyser. It was something like a water, burst water main, but it was much bigger and more forceful. When asking the Lord for an interpretation, this is what I believe it means. When we lower the bucket into a well, we draw up the same amount of water each time. It is measured Providing the well is full, you will always get the same outcome. With a geyser, on the other hand, it is not contained. It is forceful and cannot be measured. 
I believe the Lord is asking us, how much do you want? I can give you a bucket full and that is fine. Or I can release my spirit in your midst in a way that you can only dream or imagine. And the last thing he said to me was, I believe there will be a cost if you choose the latter, but it will be so worth it. Thanks, Karen. And we, we can clap, sure, we can do that, that's fine. I think it wasn't just the words, but it was also the moments that were spoken. And I remember um, getting that word from Karen. And Adam and I just had a conversation that morning, and he was so excited. He's like, I feel like God's just given me this dream, and he shared the dream. And then, as only the Lord can do, I logged onto my computer. I got that email from Karen, and it was a different picture, but it was word for word the same description. I said, you're not going to believe this. I forwarded it on to him, and he was so encouraged. But he's had lots. So which ones are you going to share? Would you welcome Adam? Good morning. Um, just before I get to that, I just want to uh, say thank you um, for all those who were involved in the youth conference, being prayerful. I know that uh, particularly the board and the elders and the pastors, but I know that the women and the prayer chain, everyone pretty much was involved with just upholding the weekend in prayer. And I just want to say thank you. It just meant uh, so much to me to know that that had the, the prayer covering and support. And I really believe uh, I could note, we could notice that prayer covering as well. Um, as Andrew mentioned earlier, uh, we had, it was just a great couple of days, and I'm hoping that maybe in time there'll be some youth keen to give testimony and share, but on the Friday night, um, we had a number of different youth groups here, and 11 young people said yes to Jesus, gave their lives to the Lord. I was excited about that, so I'm just uh, so thankful for all that God was doing. I know that He was really working in uh, the hearts of the young people. So thank you for being prayerful, for your encouragement and support. And thank you to all those uh, wonderful people who baked and made cookies and baked goods and for the men who came and did the barbecue yesterday. Just so appreciate that, just the way that you all went out of your way to bless the youth. And uh, plenty of cookies and brownies and muffins were eaten. Apologies to the parents if your children were on a sugar high when they got home, but hopefully that was the Holy Spirit as well. Um, so I just want to share a couple of, um, I guess, words I feel the Lord's uh, given to me, or pictures, probably more than pictures, vision, I believe. And a few years ago, um, as a pastoral team, we were up in Sydney at Anilsom, and when we were there, I really believed that the Lord gave me this clear vision, and it was of this church building, and I was looking at the church from the perspective of being just, just over the road, kind of in the car park over the road. I still see it so clearly in my mind. And I was looking across at the front of the church. And all of a sudden, the roof kind of lifted or exploded, lifted off from the middle. And there was this explosion of, um, it was like this clear cross between a, a gas and a liquid. I can't really describe it, but just this clear stuff bursting forth from from the roof and it had kind of this crystal sort of fleck through it and to, I really feel like the Lord put on my heart that this is what I'm what I'm wanting to do this is a release of his presence and his power over this over this region and uh, actually so I've had that there I wrote it down when I, when the Lord gave it to me and I've prayed into it a little bit over the last few years but the Lord brought it to mind particularly um, about a month or two ago 
because uh, I was in here praying one Friday just before youth on, and there was a really big windstorm. I don't know if anyone else, it's probably about, yeah, it was the end of last term. I'm in here praying, walking around, and all of a sudden this massive gust of wind comes, and I'm right up the back there, and that vent starts shaking. There's debris coming through the vent, and all of a sudden I heard this like bang, and then bang, 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 all across the roof. And then, of course, on Sunday we come in, and there's a skylight there where the vent is, so the roof actually was lifted off in a couple of parts. And then the Lord brought that to my mind then, uh, that, that picture that I'd had a couple of years ago. So first in the natural, then the spiritual, perhaps, I'm not sure. But um, I, uh, yeah, just wanted to share that. And also just this other word that I feel like the Lord gave to me about uh, a damn wall. And the, the, the picture that he gave me was this, uh, like, you know, the new uh, Cotter Dam, how it's way bigger and... Um, and the picture was of, of a dam wall like that. And in the kind of lower part of the dam where the excess water spills out over the top, um, there was like a latch door kind of from one side to the other. And it had some ropes attached to it at, at the bottom. And there was hands there on the ropes. And what I felt like you could, see, you could see some water coming over the top, spilling over the top, but the hands were on the ropes ready to pull down that latch door for the torrent of water to come. And I just felt like the Lord was saying, this is what I'm wanting to do that's imminent, that as his people we need to be prepared and ready, that the little trickle over that I could see in this, this vision was, was, I guess, what he has done and the things that he's been stirring and doing over the last, well, many years really, but that it's nothing compared to uh, what he's wanting to do. So, I had a dream uh, recur four times at the end of last year <clears throat> when I was actually out of the country. And in the dream, I was looking at the church or thinking of the church and I could see the entranceway of the church. And uh, I could see the wind of the Spirit blowing with increasing frequency over the, uh, the entranceway, particularly over the bottom part of the entranceway, whatever that's called. And I can, can remember in the dream, and the fact I had it four times made me realise it must be God. I'm a bit of a slow learner. And so uh, I recorded it. And uh, I didn't initially act on it. I just thought, well, I'll wait and see what the Lord's saying about that. And over a week or two, I began to realise that the Lord was saying, uh, that the wind of his spirit will increase within the church's life sure, as the year unfolds. And in particular, there will be two things that are touched because if you get a word from God, I think you need to know how it's going to manifest or you need to ask for that. And I believe the Lord said in two ways. There will be an increase, and I find it interesting in the context of some of Andrew's comments, an increase in the gifts of the spirit operating and functioning right across the body. See, it's not just the pastors that do that. Right across the body, there will be an increase in the 1 Corinthians 12 gift mix. Um, and the second thing I felt the Lord say was that as a sign that I'm bringing a, uh, a fresh wind, I prefer that to new, a fresh wind into the, into the house of God as we are here and hopefully throughout the nation, the world. Um, 
th that there would be a release uh, of children to people who are married who are having difficulty conceiving. And uh, we've had evidence of that in our own family. But I, and I believe that others will see that as well. And so it's halfway through the year and I believe that today, particularly birth of the church, birth of family life, <clears throat> particularly today for those who might like uh, or have a need or you might be someone who is married and you have children uh, and you would like more and but you're having difficulty with that or you're even sitting there thinking, hey, maybe this is us. Um, if you would like to have prayer today, I'm going to ask if uh, the elders, if they can, to join with Judy and me and just pray for anyone who would like prayer for that. We'll do it over on that side uh, where the children are often. But a fresh wind manifesting in two ways, gifting of the, of the 1 Corinthians 12 gifts, which are the supernatural gifts, the gifts that you're not just necessarily uh, a talents, uh, which... I won't go on with that. Um, that aspect and the other is, of course, uh, the conception issue. I just wanted to share a dream with you, actually, that I had last Saturday night. Um, that's a fairly unusual thing for me when Adam and Andrew were having lots of dreams last year. I even put my pen and paper next to the bed and I'm like, pick me too, Lord. And I didn't have any, but anyway, last Saturday evening I had a dream, didn't have my pen and paper next to the bed. Um, but it was a very vivid, clear dream that I actually woke up from and then re remembered very clearly in the morning. And we were, um, as a congregation, gathered. I knew... Um, in the dream that it was a Saturday mor a Sunday morning, I was standing really probably basically in front of the sound desk. Um, we were all in the midst of worship. Um, and I suddenly start, I opened my eyes from worship and noticed that from the front to the back, people were starting to fall over. And I paused and looked and... It was really like the Lord was moving in a way that was like a cross between wind and a wave as row after row of people began to fall on their faces before the Lord. And um, I had enough time to think, I wonder if that's going to affect me in the same way. And then I also fell over on the floor, like really unable to resist the power of the presence of the Lord. And then I woke up. Um, and I've sat with the Lord with that. And I guess there are a couple of things that I feel that he's drawn my attention to with this particular dream. One is that we weren't actually doing anything out of the ordinary as a church. We were worshipping together um, um, as one congregation. There was no guest speaker or, or person out the front. The worship team was leading us in worship. And that was the first thing I felt the Lord make sure that I had paid attention to. The, the second thing was that it, it did seem that um, the whole congregation was impacted. It wasn't just one or two people. Um, there was no mistaking 
um, that it was happening. I don't know if you've found sometimes I'll leave from a Sunday service and I'll be like, wow, I just really felt the presence of the Lord today. And you might talk to somebody else and their experience was quite um, different. Um, but this was one of those um, situations as a congregation where there isn't anybody who was in the dream who would, would have been able to miss what was actually happening. And just that sense of really it wasn't something that we were able to really resist. There was just a real sovereign aspect of the Lord just moving amongst us powerfully. So I leave that with you. Anyone a little encouraged hearing some of those? As I said, I I know that's different. We don't do that very often. It's a little outside my comfort zone. I'd probably rather just preach a sermon, but I felt like the Lord said that that was necessary and hoping that two things, A, you're feeling encouraged, but B, that there's this stirring of hunger. As I said, we're not posturing ourselves so that God will do something. We're posturing ourselves because he's doing something, and that's what he said for 18 months now. I'm doing this. I'm doing this. And I'm looking for people, like uh, in Karen's word, I'm looking for people who say, no, we're, we're getting ready for that. We're not just content with the normal and the, we're going to press in and we're going to make sure that we are ready and prepared for what the Lord wants to do. So can we stand? The worship team is going to come back and sing a song. During this time as we do this, I just want to pray for us. And if you want to respond to uh, Peter's word, as he said, he'll be over near the children here to pray for you in that regard. If you would like prayer this morning for anything, even if you know the, the sense I had um, during worship and before the service was just those people who really felt they needed a fresh touch from God. Lord, I'm on empty. I just... I just need more of you. Whatever it is, any other prayer need, if you just come forward to the front here, there's a prayer team as pastors who'd love to pray with you in that regard. Sound good? Let's just pray. And then, as I said, as we just join together in worship with one last song, if you need prayer, then just come forward. So, Lord, we just want to, as we begin a, a new season, not only with service change time, but just as a people intentionally posturing our hearts before you, responding in obedience to what it is that you're saying. Lord, whatever is of you in what you've said to us personally and as a people, would you cause those things to stir in our hearts? We don't want to be passive. We don't want to just come along and think, well, that was nice and then go away. Lord, we want to grab a hold of what it is that you're saying. Thank you for the promise of your Holy Spirit. And we want to hold of that which, grab a hold of that which you promised to us today. We want to say, Lord, let your kingdom come and let your will be done, whatever that might look like for us. Do the work in us that you need to do at this time, that you would do what you're really truly desiring to do through us. We pray together in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen.